to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. How many were there when I was teaching on the seven pillars of the city of the Lord Church? Okay. And some of you are not there, but you've undergone orientation, right? What are the seven pillars of COL? Number one. Okay, number one. Devotion to God. Number two. They don't even have to be in order. Number two? Loyalty. Okay, number three? Attendance. Number four? Discipleship. Number five? Giving. Okay, number six? Before I send you all back to orientation and get your ID numbers away from you. Number six? Number seven. I'm going to teach these things again. You'll be amazed. <laughs> now, the first pillar is devotion to God through the word, prayer, worship. And so today, our topic for this, our topic for this Wednesday is in line with that pillar. And also looking at the fact that you're now in this brand new year and you've already done the first the first part you've cut off your fake friends and and the like (laughs) i just hope you don't get them back in june and then cut them off again in december i I hope that's not you but seeing as you've already done the first part i thought it best that i help us with regards how we can ensure that we maintain our devotion to God the whole year. And hopefully you build on that and maintain your devotion to God the whole decade. And should the the Lord tarry the whole century? I don't know if you're getting my point. I want to talk to you when you're 100 years old and your fire has not gone down. Your zeal has not reduced. Praise God. One of the things that I have noticed, having been in ministry for some time, is that 
a person's devotion to God, which is made manifest in the way they pray, the way they study the word, and all those things, cannot be overemphasized because that's the whole point. And the moment you lose that, then you've lost your first love. Then you've lost your first love. Somebody say devotion to God. Say I am devoted to God. All the days of my life, I'm devoted to God. Say there is no such thing. I hope you are telling your neighbor with some attitude on your face. Say there is no such thing as a good day to pray. For me, every day is a good day for prayer. Amen. Backsliding really has two sides to it. Number one is the most common one, where you're doing the wrong things. You're doing things you're not supposed to be doing. But the one that's less emphasized, and yet it's the one that causes everything else, is when you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. Then that's the first step to backsliding. When you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's the first step. Because for a fish to function well, it must stay in the water. The moment it comes out of the water, you can think this is the slowest animal in the world. And yet when it's in the environment in which it was created to thrive, you can't beat it. You were made to thrive in the environment of the manifest presence of God. A branch was made to thrive well connected to the tree. You can think a branch is not fruitful, but you find it's just been unplucked from where it was getting its supply. What's my point? Devotion to God should be your biggest resolution this year. Now ask your neighbor, what's your resolution? <laughs> okay. So now let's begin. Exodus chapter number 9 and verse 1. Now for those who don't know, you will notice that every session this year will have at least a scripture from the book of Acts. Because this, this not this year, this month, this month, I'm advising us all to read the book of Acts. Um, next week, we should have church AGM, right? And then afterwards, I think we're going to have seven days of fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be online. But yeah, church AGM should be next week online so that we see how our church is doing. So let's start from the book of Exodus. And we'll go to a few scriptures today. Uh, chapter number 19 verse 1. Exodus chapter number 19, 
verse 1. In particular, Exodus 9, verse 1, actually. Exodus 9, verse 1. And I would want us to read it together. One, two, three, go. The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may go to the promised land. Did I read it wrongly? Read it. Let me try to read it. It says, Let my people go, that they may go to the promised land. Okay, let my people go that they may go to the land flowing with milk and honey. Whoa. What does it actually say? Let my people go that they may give me the NLT. Okay. Let's start from the God of the Hebrews says. Read it. Uh-huh. Let my people go so they can worship me. Now, are you aware that the story of Israel in Egypt is a type, as in from that story you can see the picture of us in terms of salvation. And you know that's revealed in the New Testament, right? You can see that in 1 Corinthians 10. Just for the sake of your Bible study, look at it. 1 Corinthians 10. Hey. Uh, New King James, please. It says, I don't want you to forget. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, what was the sea symbolic of? Baptism in water. What was the cloud symbolic of? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what is to come at night? Fire. Baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. And what was the rock symbolic of? Christ. What was striking the rock symbolic of? Christ being crucified. When the water came out of the rock, that showed that when Christ is crucified, the Holy Spirit would come out and would be given. So when Moses hits the rock twice, the second time when God told him to speak to it, he was committing an error because he was crucifying Jesus twice. You know, I'm not making... Let's go to the next verse. Notice, and we are all baptized in, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It's, it's as plain, right? Next verse. All ate the same spiritual food. They had manna. That means every day you must have the word of God. Or drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So what am I trying to say? I've simply brought this point just to show you that um, what we see with the Egyptians, with the Israelites and the like was a type of us in Christ. So when God was delivering you from bondage, when God was delivering you from sin, when he was delivering you from darkness into light, the purpose that he delivered you is so that he could have you to himself and you could be devoted to him 
and that you could serve him. You can clap. Uh, you're free. You're free on that part. So God wanted you to be able to serve him freely. And so he's saying, let my people go that they may worship me. Isn't that the same spirit of the message in John 4? When Jesus said, but a time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is spirit and he seeks, he searches, he seeks, he's actually looking for people to worship him in spirit and truth. Ladies and gentlemen, your devotion to God is important. Praise God. And this was the strength of the early church. The strength of the early church was their devotion to God. They didn't have the day of Pentecost every day, but they had devotion to God every day. Acts chapter number 2, verse 42. Then we'll go down. For those who are just joining us, we're talking about devotion to God, which is our first pillar as COL. That, and pillars in this case are those things which if we're to remove, then as COL, there's nothing we're doing. If we're to remove this part, then there's nothing we're doing. Everything else, we're just, we're just joking and we're playing games. We can't remove devotion to God. Now it says... And they continued steadfastly. Now, who are these people who continued steadfastly? These are the people who got saved and received the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Because this was after Peter had preached and 3,000 disciples received God. So what was their strength? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Somebody say glory. They continued steadfastly. Praise God. Well, we can, call, we, can, we can call anyone up to the front and ask, when did you get born again? And maybe let's say they say they got born again six months ago or two years ago or three years ago or five years ago. And when we trace your life since then, you've continued steadfastly. If that has not been your pattern from today, let there be a change where you continue steadfastly. There is a consistency. And the consistency is not like this. The consistency is like this. Where you're consistent in doctrine. You're consistent in fellowship with others. You're consistent in the breaking of bread. Remembering the Lord Jesus through our communion. And breaking the bread was also fellowship. And in prayers. So gentlemen, you now have a new word. Not so gentlemen and ladies. If you want to sound spiritual, you say, um, so can we meet at Debonair to just break some bread? <laughs> <laughs> then it means you want to discuss the word of God over a something. And, and, and you know, pizza actually, it can actually make sense. Like you're literally breaking. <laughs> Praise God. So they continued steadfastly in that. Let's continue. Then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Uh -huh. 
Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Because remember, for them, they actually formed a physical community. Uh huh. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Let's go. I'll explain that soon. So, continuing daily. Continuing what? With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, why saying they ate their food is because in that period of time, they wouldn't just have communion, they would have supper together. Okay? They would have supper together. So having meals together has always been a very spiritual thing. Then they tell you there's a dinner in January and you don't want to buy the tickets. You don't fulfill the scripture. Anyways. In case you wanted to know that, that, that was the vision behind it because would have people complain that, oh, Apostle, only two, three people get access to you on certain days. So we thought, okay, we make it open for everyone and then subsidize as much as possible and make it the cheapest we can without making any profit at all. Next verse. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Can you picture that? Can you picture that? Continuing daily and we're all just growing steadfastly. And just praising God having fellowship together, breaking bread together. And you know, in fellowshipping, you'll be able to see who's got which need, who's got which need. You help one of your brethren who's got a need. Maybe you've noticed there's this, there's that, there's that. There are certain things you'll never know if you just see each other at church or if you never actually talk. You'll never know. And then all of us are just praising God. What then happens? Favor increases. And the Lord adds to us. Isn't that beautiful? Of course, you can't just do that. There'll be need for administration, as you could see in Acts chapter 6. But this should be the foundation. Because if all that's there is administration and there's nothing to administrate, then what's the point? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about devotion to God. And the first point I made is that God delivered us from Satan so that we could be devoted to him. And the second one I said is this was the strength of the early church. The third thing I want us to know is that it's our calling to do so. It's our calling. I would like us to see First Peter chapter number 2, verse 4 to 5. So I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was writing my resolutions for the year, there's a section which I called priestly duties priestly duties and I was asking myself I was challenging myself to what extent will I fulfill my duties as a priest before God remember you are a holy priesthood it's not just for you to feel good hey I'm a holy priesthood no it's something for you to you actually have some work to do so let's read coming to him as to a living stone not the one where the Victoria Falls is, 
but like a stone which is living. You can find those names. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Next verse. You also, point at yourself and say, you also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Let me put it like this. The temple... Do you know one reason why we are called the city of the Lord Church? We'll come back to this verse. Do you know that if there is a scripture that describes C-O-L, the most accurately, it's actually this verse. Are you aware? It's actually this verse. Go to Revelations, chapter number 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Uh -huh. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I want you to understand this. When we are talking about the New Jerusalem, there will actually be an actual city. But are you aware that the main components of that city is you and I? Are you aware that we are that city? Okay, first question. Who's the bride of Christ? It's us, right? So the moment it says the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, look at the very next words. Prepared as a bride done for a husband. At this point, human beings are not yet mentioned. But look at the very next verse. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. At which point did we come? <laughs> and, they shall, and they shall be his people. Hey! God himself will be with them. And the ultimate promise is that he will be our God. Now go back to 1 Peter 2.5. You know, that's the ultimate promise, is that he will be our God. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if God inspired one very bright writer to write a book called, I will be their God. <laughs> now it says, you also, now remember I've said that that city, people probably are only thinking about pan bricks, and I don't know what else you use to make a hut in your village, but then this, the, but then what you what you don't know is that when God is thinking about the city, the stones He's looking at, <laughs> and then He calls them living stones. He says, "You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. So together we are a house." And then it says, "A holy priesthood," but there's a purpose. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. That shows you that it's your calling to do this. It's your calling to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. 
No wonder the scripture tells us to offer him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. It's your job to sing praises to him. It's your job to lift your hands to him. It's beyond your job. It's your calling. And that's why you'll never find fulfillment if you're not doing that. Are you aware, ladies and gentlemen, that human beings have naturally been created to worship? Are we aware of that? Human beings have naturally been created to worship. That's why even if a person doesn't worship God, they'll find someone to worship. They will. That guy is a gangster. There's no gangster tougher than him. What's that? They are singing praises of their gangster God. Anyways. <laughs> so it says, you also as living stones. So say, I'm a living stone. So for those of you who write uh, raps and stuff like that, go write a song. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not so... I'm always shining. I'm looking glorious. I'm a living stone. No Victoria. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Isn't that the whole essence of rap? Okay, let's go to the next. <laughs> then you hear it in a... In a <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your devotion to God, be careful not to lose it. That's my next point. You actually can lose it. What's funny is that you can lose it while still maintaining other things about Christianity. Revelations 2. Like you can lose it without going into sin. You can lose it without going into false doctrine. Revelations 2 from verse 1. You can lose it while still preaching. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, which are the churches. Uh I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. These guys are doctrinally sound. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Have you ever met such people who can tell you every doctrine about every doctrine? They can tell you who's true and they can tell you who's false. They can quote scriptures for you. And when was the last time they actually just prayed and went before God and said, Oh God, I love you. Rather than arguing on Facebook, when was the last time they actually just went before God to say they love you? When was the last time? I don't know. Next verse. Uh, Verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Oh my God, these guys are doing so well. They've labored. I mean, you can be coming every every, every week. You can be doing your labor. You can be uh, carrying 52 chairs per Sunday. You're the one with the world record. We just never give you that award. But you even know that if there was an award for who carries the most chairs, it's you. I don't forget my point. You can have the biggest CV with regards to your works. But then Jesus says something. He says, nevertheless, 
I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What's that? That's devotion. When your Christianity becomes mechanical. But then he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. So meaning forgetting your first love, then you've fallen. And then he says, repent and do the first works. So here, the sin is not that you're doing something wrong. The sin is that there's something right that you've stopped doing. Can I say that again? Here, the problem is not doing something wrong. The problem is you're not doing something you're supposed to be doing. So this person's problem is not going to the clubs, it's not doing ABCD, but the problem is that they are not getting on their knees and giving God the glory. They're not doing that. And so he says, the, the reason why they're not doing that is not because they don't want to be prayerful or anything, but the reason why they're not doing that is because they've forgotten their first love. David sinned against Bathsheba, sorry, against God with Bathsheba. But notice his prayer. His prayer went to the root cause of the sin. His prayer was not, oh God, I'm sorry because you made Bathsheba too beautiful. Perhaps the problem was beyond that. Have you ever actually read what he said in his prayer? In his prayer he said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Meaning there is something he forgot. Hallelujah. So he says, repent therefore, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Another thing that's interesting about that portion of scripture is that it means the issue of going back to your first love is not complicated. It's not, there was no complication about it. Jesus was just saying, go back to what you used to do for me before. It's not even complicated. There was no new doctrine needed. They just needed to go back to what they used to do before. Praise God. Can I give you another one? Are you sure you want it? I want you to understand that Satan wants to fight your devotion to God. Because your devotion to God is your strength. It's in your devotion to God that you fellowship, right? It's in your devotion with God that you exchange your weakness for his strength. It's in your devotion to God that you become more like him. It's in your devotion to God that you begin to think more like he does. It's in your devotion to God that the biggest impartation and anointing sessions happen. It's in your devotion to God that you hear him. It's in your devotion to God that faith comes because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's in your devotion to God. It's your powerhouse. It's in your devotion to God. It's like the transformer. No matter how nice you build Zesco offices, if the transformer is destroyed, what shall the employees do? <laughs> that sounds like a scripture, you know, right? If the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? But seriously, if the, if the turbines <laughs> that you know, generate power from water are destroyed. What shall having a nice logo do? What shall having a good PR department do? Protect that side. Now, 
Satan wants to attack that area of your life. Satan is not Dao. I would, I would want you to know that. He isn't Dao. Satan is not Dao. He's smart. He's been doing this thing for a while. He knows which area to target. And the biggest area to target is your devotion. Okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only one. Who's ever experienced it where you've planned a moment of devotion and that just happens to be the moment where coincidentally everything just happens in such a way that you don't pray? Who's ever experienced that? Who's ever experienced how you planned a moment of devotion? You were not sleepy. You were awake. As in the level of alertness you had was high. The moment it's time to pray, the sleepiness comes. Then when you decide to say amen, the sleepiness goes. You've never experienced that. <laughs> so it seems you know what I'm talking about. He's, he did not start now fighting people's devotion. Who's ever experienced that moment? The moment you want to pray, you receive the worst text you can ever receive. Like the wrong moment to receive that text. Or somehow you just become irritable. And then someone decides to irritate you in that moment. You've never experienced that. Guys, you have to guard your devotion. Let's look at this. The book of Daniel, chapter number 6. And let's start from verse 1. Let's, let's have context. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one. So in case you wanted to know, Daniel's ministry was not done in the temple. Daniel's ministry was done in the mountain of politics, the mountain of governors. So Daniel was a governor. Okay? That the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So I want you to imagine how much administrative work Daniel had based on his day job. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. You know, I love this. I'll tell you why I love this scripture, but it's a story for another day. Because it, in this particular verse, it doesn't say God distinguished Daniel. This one, he distinguished himself. God gave him an excellent spirit, but it seems there's a way he developed it, and there's a way he determined to walk in it. So he says, this, this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought in him over the whole realm. The king didn't need faith to see that Daniel was more excellent than the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to reach a place where people want even those who don't have the eyes of the Spirit will be able to see the manifestation of the grace of God on our lives. Let's continue. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Let me just make mention that if you're going to be that person, then your spiritual warfare will not always be against spirits. <laughs> the spirits will find men to oppose you. Sometimes you'll be hated for no reason. You wonder why you're just hated at your workplace. 
Sometimes it's because you're better than others. It says, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Oh God, let that be my story. Yeah? No errors, no faults. Let's go on. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So what did Satan decide to attack? His devotion. Let's continue. So these governors and such have stronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you or king shall be cast into the den of lions. So if you wanted to, if you remember, you've probably watched the cartoon, you've seen photos of Daniel in the lion's den. This is the actual history. It was a fight against his devotion. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And this is why, number one, you must pray for government leaders. And this is also why you must become leaders. Because when Satan wants to fight, or when, 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 when principalities want to take over a territory, they usually use men. They don't do it in isolation. Aha, let's go. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, my goodness, he wasn't even hiding it. In his upper room, with windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You are not going to take away devotion from him. It was his custom. A custom is something that it's become your habit. It's become part of you. You feel it's weird if you don't do it. Who's ever felt that? Well, maybe that day things have happened in such a way that you haven't had that special moment to pray and you feel weird. For my back ache. Like a problem. You even think, me malaria, can't she? It was just, your body was just saying, we haven't done what we usually do. Can't she? I know. Where the presence of God becomes your, your addiction. Where prayer is your stronghold. <laughs> and he Satan launches an attack the same day without wasting time he went on his knees and he didn't hide he was by the window and he did it three times that day so meaning in all of Daniel's busyness he would make time to pray because an excellent man is excellent in all things this same excellent man was not failing at other areas of life. But above all, he decided not to fail in the area of devotion. 
but that didn't lead to him failing in any other area of life. Devotion to God will never be a reason for failure. I'll say it again, it will never be. Let's go. And we know what happened. They assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Uh And when they went before the king, they questioned him based on the degree. They threw Daniel in the lion's den and the lion's den became a petting zoo. Amen. Do you know what ended up happening? Let's, let's go a few verses. Let's go a few verses. Take me verse 17. Okay, verse 20. This is Daniel in the lion's den, right? And then the king was really concerned. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke to, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions. Then, the, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. By the way, you know I can teach you a lot about this. You know what this, you, can I tell you what that verse shows? So I'll be digressing a little. That verse shows you that in whatever mountain God has given you to influence, you must understand the language of that mountain. As spiritual as Daniel was, he still said, O king, live forever, which is the same thing the other people were saying when they meet the king. So you may not always, you may have a prophetic word to give to your boss about the direction the company will go, but you may not always have to say it in a way that sounds like you're at church. (laughs) You may have to understand the language of that field. When they ask you the secret, you say, I pray. So let's continue. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. Uh-huh. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So when Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. And the king gave command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of the lions. Them and their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Meaning these lions were hungry. They had been kept fasting, just watching meat. (laughs) Next verse. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Uh I make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom, spheres of influence, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Your Your private devotion can become every, how can I put it? People can come and feed into God. It's like you've been planting a garden. You've been planting a garden. And then that garden becomes a field that the whole country can come feed into. Your private devotion can feed the whole world. So a few things. 
as you plan on building your devotion this year. Number one, to build your capacity to eat. I will say this to be very cryptic. I gave those earlier points. The earlier points I gave about your devotion was God delivered us from sin so we could be devoted to him. Secondly, that was the strength of the early church. Thirdly, it's our calling. And then fourthly, be careful not to lose it. And then number five was that Satan wants to fight your devotion. So now a few tips I'm giving to you concerning your devotion is, number one, remember that to build your capacity to eat, you must eat. Let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. Ladies and gentlemen, are you aware that if you want to start eating a lot, the only way for you to develop the hunger for more food is to start eating more food? Because as you eat more food, you get your body accustomed to a higher level of food, and then your body also grows and then will need more food. There is a reason why if a person is to starve for two weeks, they'll have challenges with food. They won't be able to eat everything. So if a person has starved for two weeks, to build their capacity to eat, they must start feeding them slowly. They'll give them something warm and the like, and then they start building their capacity to eat. In the same way when it comes to devotion for God, if you want to be a person who's always hungry and always receiving, don't stop eating. Don't get your spirit man used to three days you've not prayed. Don't get your spirit man used to two days you've not fasted. No, I meant to say two days you've not read the word. I'm not saying you fast every two days. Someone here can, <laughs> you'll find someone who say, Pastor, I have heard you. <laughs> then they go on a fast every day. <laughs> I don't, uh, by the way, I don't recommend a person fasting every day. You want to know why? Unless there's just a special calling, I don't recommend, not every day. They will not be able to fulfill the scripture after you have eaten and are satisfied, then you shall bless the name of the Lord. <laughs> But I do recommend a person having a day to fast every week. I highly recommend that. On a person or not, I fast at least once a week. There are some weeks where my body is like really tired, especially after a long period of doing a lot of work, or maybe after an extended fast. I can give myself a two, three week break, then I'll make, you, I'll make up for it by maybe an extended one. But I do recommend a person does a fast every week. I also recommend as your pastor that you should do a personal or a family extended fast which has nothing to do with the church program. And it should be a minimum of at least at least three days. You see the way we've got the 14 days fasting, right? The way we've got the seven day fasting in June, 14 day fasting, end of year. I think it would be good if even for you as a person, where it's not a church program, to teach yourself that it's not religion, where it's not a church program, but you just put yourself on a program, whether it's three days, whether it's four days, whether it's five days, but you should have at least a period in the year where you've personally put yourself on a program. And you just take some time to devote yourself to God in prayer and fasting. So I, you will not be able to build capacity to eat without eating. If you want to 
always be hungry for God. You should always eat. How can I put it? How can I put it? How can I put it? That's the way the kingdom of God works. Deep cause unto deep. So you can't go deeper without going deeper. How can I put it? You will not go deeper in the ocean by becoming dry on the shore. You have to just keep going deeper. You're not going to become hungry for the word because you say, okay, so I'll not read the word for seven days. So by the seventh day, I'm so hungry. That's not how it works. So the more you eat, the more you build your capacity to eat more. That's really the spirit of what I'm saying. Because God is so good that when you taste, you want everything. Remember, the Bible says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Try getting a kid. Give them a whole bar of chocolate. Lint. To be specific. And tell them to just eat one and keep the rest for you. I think, that, I think there was a challenge which parents had. I think I saw it online. Where they would put like a lot of sweet treats. And leave the child alone in the room and say, don't eat until I come. Ha! You have seen... Some children were talking to themselves. No, not eat until mommy comes. Or not eat. And then there are others who've taken the challenge a bit further. They do it with a dog. They leave like a whole chicken and they tell it, don't eat until I come. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Maybe can we just go to that verse? Just that verse. Somebody say, Glory. Glory Psalm 16 verse 11 When I was younger one of the worst things that could ever be bought at home which I can tell was one of the best things but at the same time one of the worst things that could ever be bought at home was powdered milk <laughs> For reasons best known to myself. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Let's start from verse 10. Now, why am I saying it was one of the worst things? Because ideally it was supposed to last. But let's just say it didn't last that long. So it says, You shall not leave my soul in Sheol. If any of you has been in a bad place, the Lord is not leaving you. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I think we need to get to that place, ladies and gentlemen, where we start experiencing the pleasures of God. Now, I was giving the powdered milk example. What would happen is, I would tell myself and with my sister, who are partners in that area, that I'm just going to eat once. <laughs> and so we'll sneak into the kitchen, get a spoon, put on our hands, just one. But when you taste, <laughs> one more. When you taste, another one. And then another one and another one. And what am I trying to say? Now, if, that, if we can experience that with powdered milk, imagine the pleasures that God gives in his presence. Mm 
Do you know that moment where you forget everyone? You forget, you even forget you're a pastor. For those of you here who are pastors. You, like at that point, nothing matters, you know, like nothing really matters. And it's just your highest connection with your maker. You know what I mean? And you just go, Omnipotent Father. Mercy and grace, thou art welcome in this place. Hey, let's finish. Hey, <laughs> in this place, I think God begins to answer questions you forgot to ask. Do you know those moments where he begins to answer questions you even forgot to ask him? And then maybe he heals injuries you never knew you had. Omnipotent Father, oh mercy and grace. He teaches you scriptures you thought you read. And you're like, what? In this way. Okay, let's have the next one. Very quickly. Now, usually before you can reach the place of pleasures evermore, you must reach the place of discipline. Learn to develop disciplines. And to develop a discipline, you usually you need something you can measure. So I'll give you an example you can develop a discipline of time and say every day I will pray one hour per day like just devotion to God because disciplines are usually what we use to produce spontaneity so say every day I will pray one hour per day so what do you do on a busy day Let's say in the morning you only find yourself with 20 minutes. You use those 20 minutes. You even think, at least I've done 20. Lunchtime, you've been given an hour at work. You use 20 minutes of that one hour. You've reached 40. On your way home, there's like a stretch. When you're walking from the bus station, you do an extra 10. You reach home, everyone is all up in your face. But you find that 10 minutes when you've told them, no, you have to go do a shower because you're protecting yourself from viruses. And they're like, can't she? Those 10 minutes, you're just saying, oh God, I just needed some more 10 minutes with you. What are you doing? You've done an hour at least. Is somebody getting my point? I'm just saying, sometimes you have to be creative, but try to do, try to discipline yourself. And to discipline yourself, you need something you can measure. So an example of what you can use to measure is time. Another example of what you can use to measure is chapters. You can say, I'll read one chapter per day. Meaning at least I would have read 31 chapters per month or 30 chapters per month. So if I'm reading the book of Proverbs, I would have finished it in a month. Definitely. Or if I'm going in order, all those Manahum, Majo and the like, then definitely in a month I would have read like eight of them. <laughs> you know what I mean, eh? But you may have to set something as a discipline. And here is my 
challenge to you. If you ever reach a point where maybe your schedule overwhelmed you or maybe your body had challenges and stuff like that and you're trying to get back, the easiest thing is to go back to your disciplines. It's easier to go back to a discipline than to just be spontaneous of when I get a chance, I'll pray. That doesn't always work, especially when you get busier with life. Praise God. I'm not saying hey much today. I hope it's hitting home. Someone can just give me like a hey. hey. <laughs> okay. Finally, for today, for today, two more actually. One of them is after you've developed disciplines, learn to be spontaneous. What do I mean? Sometimes learn to carry yourself even in a moment you didn't plan for. You just realize you had planned your day to go to that bank and then you notice that at the bank there is a queue and you anticipated that you were going to be five minutes at the bank and it now looks like it will be 40 minutes. And then you discover that you're in a mask. <laughs> so no one will be able to see you doing your thing. So you can say, okay, of that 40 minutes that I'll be here, let me just take five minutes and just thank God. And everyone is just seeing you, but you can't inside your And then you get your phone and read an extra chapter that day because you found yourself with extra minutes. And then there are moments where the Spirit of God will carry you. I remember one recently, recently, there's a sermon that came like that. I've forgotten which one it was, but one of my most powerful sermons. I prepared my sermon for the night were seated, were having family time, and I asked, saying, um, I asked, saying, um, can I please have five minutes to myself? And I took a walk, because I just felt, God, like, what? Like, what is it? And I knelt down, and in the obedience to God, within one minute of kneeling down, he spoke to me a whole different direction that he wanted to speak. And for sure, after five minutes, I went back. What am I trying to say? Allow the Spirit of God to interrupt you. Let him be able to interrupt you. Sometimes he does it to train you. So that the day you're ever in a busy mode, emotions are high, and there's every reason to panic, you can still hear him because you already learned how to be interrupted by him. Finally, for today, speak in tongues a lot. Speak in tongues a lot. May I show you just one scripture from the message. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. This one needs its own session. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. What does it say? On the message. Okay. This one shows verse 1 and 2, right? Go after the life of love as if your life depended on it. Because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim his truth. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given you that language for a reason. Share it with him. Why is it necessary? Because among other reasons one of our common weaknesses which blocks our prayer life 
is that we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit of God maketh intercession. So learn to share intimacies with Him. For me, that's one thing I do. And give me verse 14. Or is it 15? Give me verse 15. So what's the solution? The answer is simple enough. Do both. I should be spiritually free and expressive as I pray. But I should also be thoughtful and mindful as I pray. I should sing with my spirit and sing with my mind. So I'll, I'll give you a simple example of what I do. I'll be praying and maybe I'll start off in tongues and there are moments when I'm praying in tongues and I practice verse 14 where my intelligence is wasted. I don't even have any idea what I'm praying about. I'm just praying. Then there are moments where now my mind also starts being thoughtful. And I'll say, okay, Father, I thank you. What was I praying for, for the church last night? I was praying for us in the area of devotion. For we're all growing in devotion. We're all hearing you. Then I'll break into tongues. But this time, the tongues are a bit different because I know I'm praying for the church. But the Spirit of God is helping me to pray for the church. Then sometimes my mind will shift the focus to something else. I even know. So it's like you're doing both. You pray in the private language of tongues and you pray in your understanding. And we've been blessed. Let's give our offerings. In other congregations, like in the US and the like, they clap with them. When the pastor has labored to share the word. Ask your neighbor what they've learned. I'm curious. Let them tell you their major point for today. Like their major two points. And I'll be walking around. Yeah. What have been your major two points? And some more. Make sure we do it every day. Okay. Your major two points? Uh, one is being spontaneous and just being creative despite being busy just waiting time. Okay. Side. Your major two points? The last one. The last one. What was it? Uh, the one that was speaking in tongues. In tongues? Wonderful. Your major two points? To have time with God. Have time with God. Joyce, your major two points? Lovely. Labwe, your major two points? Speaking in tongues? Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about this thought as we give our offerings. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine that rather than coming to church to catch fire, of which there's enough fire for you to catch, imagine what would happen if all of us every week we are coming to contribute to the fire what manner of fire would we have so start learning to do privately what you only do publicly allow me to rebuke you in this manner some of us have never praised God at home because it feels better in public You've never done Emmanuel. Eh? Yeah, they should stop doing it here. <laughs> no, seriously.
Because it means sometimes do it. Even sing like a beat in your head. Tamandani, you should record for them like a beat. Instrumentalists, record for the church like a beat which they'll be going to praise God. No voices, otherwise they'll just be miming. Praise God, eh? Okay, lovely. Is there anyone here who's not born again and would like to be born again today before we end? You're not saved. Your name may not necessarily be in the book of life and you'd like to give your life to the Lord today. Be with the online audience. Just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. I'm born again. So remember, if you want to be, if you've just said that prayer, there's a link to a WhatsApp group that says, if you've just given your life to Christ. In addition, if you want to be a member of the church, there's a link that says, if you want to be a member of the church. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you. I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let your glory fill our lives. Go up by three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let your glory fill our lives. Let your presence fill our hearts. And let each vessel offer to you the sacrifice of praise. One more time. Lord, let your glory fill this house. Let your praises fill my heart. And let your praises fill my heart. Let each vessel offer up to you. Let each vessel offer to you the sacrifice of praise. And I just want to praise you. I lift my hands and say, I love you.
sanctified for holy purpose. Rebuke anything that comes in the way. Anything that hinders this love. Anything that blocks this love. You are the love I need. You are the air I breathe. Pray for a minute. Pray for a minute. Always forever. And I will lay down my life just to be by your side. You are my love, my life, always forever. This is my prayer. Let's go. And this is my prayer. It's my soul about with all that I am and all that I have, I will love you. <laughs> I will love you with all of my heart, with all of my heart, my soul and my mind. I lay down an offering. Of worship and cry, I will love you. Wow. <laughs> I will love you. Can we do that one more time? This is my prayer. Everybody, let's go. And this is my prayer. It's my soul and vow. With all that I am and all that I have, I will love you. Offering of worship and cry, I will love you. Hey, 
Spirit, your heart responds to the move of the Spirit, your mind perceives the thoughts of the Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's say the grace. Wow. I'll spend forever gazing. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.